0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr, and this is quarter number one of our show, brought to you by Collegiate Athletic Travel T. Frank, they're sponsoring a trip to the Rose Bowl. Fantastic trip. It includes a round trip, charter flight, Southwest Airlines out of Harrisburg, leaving on December 31st, get back on January 3rd. So it's if I did my math right, that's three nights staying at the Lowe's Hotel out in Hollywood. That's pretty cool. Includes so much different stuff. Uh, pep rally transfer, tickets to the Rose Bowl parade uh rose bowl souvenir a lot of just a lot of stuff dustin and i went earlier in the season with them to the auburn game and it was fantastic first class all the way if you've been dying to go to the rose bowl if it's on your bucket list here is your chance and to have somebody else do all the work for you
2: that last part is super important I just oh. got to say that last part is super important to, to not have to worry about all that stuff that makes traveling terrible. Sign me up for Trust
1: sure. Trust me on that one. I'm with you with, yes, uh, all of that, uh, you know, getting from the hotel to the prey, parade, parade to the game to the to the uh, airport all of those things to have somebody else take care of that for you is absolutely incredible and like I said my experience with these folks they did everything correctly they had everything set up and ready for you it was fantastic trip I know this one's going to be also for more information just go to athletictravel.com and all the details are there for you All right, T. Frank, we're talking about bowl game, but first, this is crazy season right now, also (laughs) known as transfer portal season. Yeah. Before we get into names and things like that, who's incoming, who's outgoing, could you just explain for our listeners a little bit, the rules change this year. It's a bit different. There's a window where players could declare. Could you explain how that works?
2: Yeah, so before you could enter the transfer portal at any point that you wanted, and um, you could transfer... uh, the Schools also have a part of this, right? So it's not just that you're transferring football teams, you're transferring universities. So each individual's university and their uh, onboarding process in semester uh, is all different. So, for example, one thing that James Franklin has talked about for a long time is that the onboarding process at Penn State is not streamlined. It's individual colleges inside the university versus like a main clearinghouse and there's some extremely long um, credit approval transfers and things like that so that's a that's the part of it that no one talks about because that's not the fantasy football part but it is a part of this conversation of the actual movement Um, and you could you could put your name in the portal at any point and you could transfer theoretically. Um, So what they've done is they start December 5th and they open the transfer portal for players to officially transfer during this window. So players can announce they're going to transfer in the middle of the season, but it doesn't matter because the the portal doesn't open until uh, Monday, December 5th this year. And then it's open for a certain period of time for players to put their name in and to move. And then there's another window, I believe, in the spring after the rosters and depth charts are more clear to players and things like that. Um so that's kind of the, the bare bones of the change this year, and that's why there's this flood of names. This absolute fire hose, tsunami, however you want to describe it, just all of the names all at once on Monday.
1: Which is December fifth, or was December fifth. The other thing to note, T Frank, is the different rules if you're a graduate transfer. So the window, it, it does not uh, matter if you're a graduate transfer. You can make right. that change at any time, correct?
2: Right, and and that's kind of, they've been the transfer players for years now, so it's kind of, they just stay the same. This is for all of the one-time transfer underclassmen that, you know, have this opportunity for player mobility.
1: Okay, let's get into some specific names. Let's talk about Penn State players that have uh, announced recently for the transfer portal. Biggest name, uh, Christian Vayu, backup quarterback. This, The handwriting was on the wall, essentially, for this. Was it not, T. Frank, when James Franklin, prior to the season, announced that Drew Aller was number two quarterback?
2: Yeah, and I always want to leave room for players to make their own decision and we don't decide for them. But yeah, yeah, this is a position where he got passed by a freshman um, and he was going to be, it looks like, in that spot. This is the thing, is like, is there going to be a quarterback competition in name this spring? Absolutely, yes. But did... Drew Aller have a significant leg up in that competition because he got so many reps this past season. Yes, so you know there, there's always the option to for Christian Vayu to stay and to uh, try to win that job, but the likelihood was starkly, uh, you know realistically, it was very, very different from what the the theory of a quarterback competition would be. So it did make the most sense for him with three years of eligibility to go somewhere else and try to find a place that he can compete realistically for a starting job or to get one outright. Um, Where that is, you know, region uh familiarity with the coaching staff and an offense all those things they matter but uh it's just I would just say it's speculation at this point where he would go but he is a he is a very attractive uh quarterback prospect as somebody who has some game tape and 3 years of eligibility and perceived upside there's a lot of perceived excitement about Christian Veyer in the transfer portal
1: And also, T. Frank, I think we need to differentiate the quarterback position from other positions in that only one quarterback could play at a time, and this is not unique to Penn State losing quarterbacks like this. This is universal. I mean, if you're not starting, you're transferring most likely, unless you're you know the first team quarterback's a senior. You're a freshman, and you have that path to starting. And if you look around the college landscape, there's quarter- Pitt has already had their starting quarterback leave and a new one transfer in. Uh, Clemson lost their highly regarded quarterback, DJ last name I can't pronounce. This yeah. is going on everywhere, right? Notre Dame Um, wants their
2: starting quarterback. Looking right now, 912 quarterbacks have entered the transfer portal. (laughs) I I believe that's correct. In the On 3 transfer portal, under transfer portal for 2023, when you click on quarterback, uh, 912, 25 have committed. uh, Four have withdrawn their name. So 2.74% of quarterbacks that have gone in the portal have committed. Now- Clearly, it, it's because that yesterday the portal opened, but we, we know by looking at the number of schools that most of those players are not finding themselves a starting job in the transfer portal.
1: It's mathematically impossible, I think. <laughs> to be frank. There's not yeah. 900 schools to transfer to.
2: This is not basketball.
1: <laughs> no, uh, Which shows you how it works and that there are a lot of players who are not going to find a seat when the music stops. Now, there's also a lot of players. Let's talk about the other players on Penn State who are hitting the transfer portal. Defensive back Jeffrey uh, Davis, offensive lineman Malik McNeil, defensive lineman Rodney McGraw. All young players. I think they're all redshirt freshmen or freshmen. You get the impression... They came in and either the team has recognized, or more likely the player themselves have recognized. They don't really have that quick path to get on the field. So, uh, are there any of these players that you look at and say you're surprised that they're leaving?
2: Um, no, and I just this is this is one area, Jim, where I don't wanna I don't wanna uh, pull the curtain back too much. But we're recording um, more than twelve hours before the show, so all. There could be six more names by the time you're listening to this. So that's that's the one caveat I want to have to the conversation is there have been no surprises so far. But we do know that this transfer portal season is going to be unlike any other where you might get some surprises because of NIL and the opportunity for players not just for the mobility of schools but to go somewhere else with an NIL package. So, you know, that number could grow and there could be some surprises by the time you hear this. But with the guys that you just laid out, and those are the names that we have so far, um, no, there's no player on this list that surprises me, and we can just go through them. Jeffrey Davis Jr., you say a path to the field quickly. I don't think it's even a path to the field quickly. I think it's just a path to the field whatsoever. Um, and that's kind of uh, the the situation he's in, where he was a project player at corner, and uh, you know, a good athlete that came in and had some promise. But Penn State's recruiting at corner has been on fire, and you know, if the conversation is like. What's my mobility up the depth chart? What's this realistically for me? He was not... I mean, Cam Miller, as a true freshman, saw the field this year. Jeffrey Davis Jr. would have been that guy that gets in at the end of games, and, and Miller apparently has beat him out on the roster for that position, and, and he's a year younger. So that's pretty telling. Uh, Rodney McGraw didn't really have a position at Penn State. He came in as a defensive end. and He's a big physical kid. But lacked the bend and some of the necessary tools to play defensive end, so he was playing some defensive tackle. But he wasn't listed as a defensive tackle, and he didn't always see the field at defensive tackle. So he was a guy that didn't have a position, and there were some other things, personal issues, I think, uh, nothing you know wrong, just like wanted to be closer to home, that led him back to the portal. And finally, Malik McNeil, if you show up at three eighty, I'm concerned. That I, I'm just I'm I'll be I'll I'll lay these things out. Like I try to keep track of where these guys are in their progress. He was a big dude that needed to fight his weight. And, you know, during the end of his senior season and heading into Penn State, it didn't seem like he was doing that. He showed up at three eighty. Now he cut forty pounds. So give credit for where it's due that he was able to uh work that way and and kind of correct those things. But that's kind of the same situation where if he's not going to be able to, to maintain that and work on that and have that improve and be a steady upward trajectory, that's a problem. Um, and and identifying these and understanding these early on, I think, is good for both sides that Malik will go somewhere and uh, find a home that maybe things fit better. Because at Penn State, like you can't just get big. They don't want you to be... 400 pounds they want you to be the perfect size for to maximize your athleticism and it seems like he was struggling with that and and uh that was a thing that i think i was watching for the whole time and unfortunately it came up the wrong way with mcneil
1: very good t frank there's still a lot more to talk about with the transfer portal we are going to do that come quarter number two, including we're going to talk about some of the players who are available out there that Penn State might be interested in. So you want to stay tuned for that. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package including non-stop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987.
4: It's quarter number two on the
0: Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we spent quarter number one mostly talking about the transfer portal with outgoing Penn State players. Before we talk about potential players who might be coming in, I did want to ask you about a, a comment you made about NIL and players may be leaving because of that. And just to point out what I'm talking about, for the longest time, the portal could be broken down players a couple different ways. There were players who we say at a lower level school and say they're a wide receiver at Western Kentucky and they want to play up a level right. and come to Penn state. For example, you had quarterbacks who weren't starting at their university. So they want an opportunity. A person like Will Levis comes to mind. And you also had players who, and I think the majority of the players were, They don't see a path to the field at their current university, and we could name a lot of Penn State players who would fit in that category who at the transfer portal. But with NIL, there's now something new where a player may be moving for more exposure, more NIL dollars, because they don't have to sit out a year. And the one Jordan Addison, the wide receiver for Pitt, who yep. moved on to USC, I think, is the great example of that. So that's the potential fear you could have at Penn State or any other school, a very yeah. good player who's starting on the field may choose to go somewhere else where he's going to get paid more.
2: Yeah, and and the fear this year with the portal is that it's not going to be um, this theoretical uh, situation. It's going to be targeted and specific through back channels, and that players are going to be induced into the portal. They're going to be lured out there by a, a specific number of what a school can offer. Um, you know, again, as of recording, that has not happened to Penn State. I also don't know that I've seen a ton of guys in the portal right now where that's the case. Now, th- there's a thousand went in yesterday. So of the ones that I've been tracking, they have been mostly class of 2021 guys that have been at a school for two years, and they're not seeing a path to the football field. And a lot of these guys are former high-level recruits that feel like they have the talent to play football, not just at the college level, but obviously at the NFL level, and they feel like their clock is ticking. So let's start there. I haven't seen a ton of evidence so far but I'm one person with one set of eyeballs and there is a matrix level amount of information coming out of the portal. So that's something you've got to be aware of the whole time and that's where the curveball that everyone's waiting for, everyone's trying to hit that curveball pitch, we don't we don't know when it's coming, we don't know who it would be, we don't know uh what position is valuable, what's the what's the Here's the other thing is in the NFL, we understand quarterbacks are worth X amount of money. There are established contracts. There are public information about uh, what positional salaries look like. The the franchise tag is slotted based on the top 10 salaries of a position. So there is a standardized amount that any position is worth and any other, you know, GMs are are free to sign a player for however much money they want, but most of them work within the parameters of the deals that exist. There is none of that at the high, at the college level. There is no cap. There is no understanding of what players are worth. What is a quarterback worth in college football? What is it? What is a right guard worth in college football? So that is the greatest unknown of the situation, in my opinion. Is how do you know? Um, what your NIL package is worth versus the competitors, and is there going to be a standardized understanding? Because we've heard we need a uh, million dollars to protect the roster from some coaches, and Ryan Day put the number at 13 million. So is it individual talent? Is it star rating? Is it recruiting? Is it profile? Or is it just to the whim of crazy boosters? None of this is information we know yet. So that's the, that's the other part that's been so wild is you know, everyone, everyone is guessing at this point.
1: I'm betting on the whim of crazy uh, donors. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and we've seen some of that, and I don't know how much this will uh, tamper it down a bit. Like Texas A&M was playing pocketbook recruiting, yep, and things didn't turn out so well for them. Is that enough to slow it down? It's not going to stop it, but did it slow it down a bit? We we shall see. Yeah. And again, the point that you made, T. Frank, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Full disclosure, don't mind you folks knowing it. Most of you aren't hearing this until at least Wednesday afternoon, so we get it. If there's a name out there, you're saying, are these guys nitwits? They don't know that X player left? Well, that is why. All right, T. Frank, let's let's go the other way, which is players coming in. And I'm going to start, first of all, By complimenting James Franklin, I think he's done a real good job with the transfer portal, identifying positions of need and doing something about it. Let's start with this first question. What are the positions of need where James Franklin should be looking into the
2: portal? So the number one position is receiver. And I think that's pretty evident uh, based on the number of offers that we know publicly. And this is the other thing about offers is you might you might say, As of right now, Penn State's only offered four players in the transfer portal, but it's kind of like recruiting. If they if the player doesn't announce that they have an offer, then we don't know about it necessarily. You know, some of our insiders do a great job of uh, identifying things behind the scenes and reporting to the people at Blue White Illustrated that are subscribers. But like outside of that, there's no information for us to discern who has a Penn State offer and who doesn't. But the ones that have been publicly announced, most of them have been receivers, um, what I find interesting is one of them Jimmy Horn jr is clearly a slot receiver 510-175, explosive 404 yards after the catch for USF um and he's got um you know good slot potential which makes you feel like if they're looking at slot receivers Parker Washington uh, that might give you an indication of what his plan is for the future of going to the NFL draft Mitchell Tinsley is moving on after uh, a year and and beyond that, we had a conversation all year long about who's going to be the next guy, who's going to step up, who is going to complete that triumvirate of receivers. And no one really did. There's young talent on the roster. But if we're talking about the, the, the danger of the portal is it can erode all of your talent. But the beauty of it is it is free agency where you can go and plug holes with veteran players. So if you feel like you want to have a veteran on the roster to compliment some of your young Caden Saunders and and Harrison Wallace players, then you need to go get one of those guys to kind of set the floor of your room because you don't want to have to reload with redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores that you don't have a great feel for, especially when you have this transcendent uh, quarterback talent that you want to protect and surround with great receivers. I think the other thing is you need speed not just that you need to get receivers. I firmly believe this group needs to get faster. And the young, again, the young players are pretty fast. There's some, there's some really good speed at receiver, but it is not developed yet. So how do you find that to infuse it into your offense without retarding the growth of those guys and slowing down the progression of your young football players? You know, Omari Evans played all last season, but I think he has a long way to go before he is a reliable receiver that you feel comfortable with throwing out there as your number one deep threat and keander lambert smith i think we know that he is inconsistent big play guy and and he's great if he's your third or fourth option but they need some high end uh top line talent at that receiver position and this is going to be the problem is it's not just about hey come to penn state and get to the nfl it's about hey come to penn state get a significant nil deal and then go to the nfl so there's the added layer of recruiting in this that Again, we don't know what Penn State's NIL situation is with their current roster, so how can they recruit with NIL and promise something if they don't know what they have?
1: The advantage of looking for receivers in the portal is you can put three, four of them on the field at the same time, so you can get multiple people out there. The other thing that I hear a lot of people say, including me, is how about getting a big receiver Frank, is there anyone yeah. out there with the size that we would be looking for?
2: Uh, so playing big and having size are two different things. And this is where I don't know necessarily, uh, how big this, the, the main receiver that every Penn State fan wants is Dante Thornton, who was at one point a Penn State commit and then blew up in recruiting and went to Oregon. He is in the transfer portal. He's the number one receiver that everyone has, has pinpointed. And again, as of recording, he hasn't announced an offer from Penn State. So has Penn State reached out? I I would have a hard time believing that they haven't. Um, it's just, he's been very quiet. Uh, Dante Cephas is from Kent state. He is a Pittsburgh native. He didn't get an offer from Penn state out of high school, but he's gone into the portal after 1200 yards in the last two seasons, or maybe like, I'm sorry. It might be like 1800 yards in the last two seasons. And, uh, he's got offers from just about every school. I'd say he's more like Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, And again, at this point, Penn state needs to get a veteran receiver that has some, um, bona fide production, but speed. Uh, I would not say is a a trump card of his. So those are the names we know right now, Um, but there will be more. And like you said, the good news is every, every, almost every single team in America fields three receivers. So there's a lot of receivers and we just started. So if they don't get any of these guys, there's an opportunity that some other ones will come up later in the portal. I mean, look at Chop Robinson and when he entered the portal and how late that was. Uh, Some of the other guys that have put their that have official Penn State offers as of now, we mentioned the receivers. But Elijah Judy uh, is a Philadelphia native, went to Texas A&M. Interesting situation with him. He's 295 on the roster, but he was a defensive end coming out of high school. 250 pound uh, player. Texas A&M, kind of like Iowa, makes all their defensive ends play big. So you get to 280, 285, 290. He's listed at 295. so. Does Penn State see him as a three technique defensive tackle or a defensive end or kind of, you know, in an Amin Vanover like he can play either and that's a value defensive tackle specifically a one technique like PJ Mustafer, is something that they need. They don't have a guy right now as a bona fide player to come in and play that be the primary run defender in a defense that de-emphasizes the primary run defender, if that makes any sense. So finding somebody to play that position is. He doesn't fit that bill. So they're still looking for that. But that's one of the uh, public offers. And then Kyrie Jackson, a an Alabama corner with two years of eligibility left. So they're looking at corner as well because at uh, this is this is just the emphasis of Joey Porter Jr.'s length is gone and they don't have another guy with length like that right now after Zakiwi that goes to free safety. Um, and you've got to keep a certain standard of play at corner now that you've established it. You've got to keep a high level of elite cornerback play if you can manage it to make sure you you have that part of your defense because it is such a huge part of the success of this team over the last several seasons
1: thank you very much on that update t frank i'm sure this is not the last time we're going to be talking about the transfer portal yeah. over the next couple of weeks but we've got to go move on to quarter number three and your questions and we ask t frank the Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package including non-stop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987.
4: Let's get
0: back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. This is a segment where we take your questions. We ask them of T. Frank. T. Frank. At the end, we'll pick out a best question, and you'll get a special prize. All right, T. Frank, the first question is from Jim in Berwick. That means me. Okay. We didn't get to one of my questions I had when we were talking about the transfer portal. I just wanted to real quickly ask you about the running back position and how you have two really good running backs, but you don't have depth beyond beyond that. You know, running backs are very vulnerable to injury yep. and the incoming freshman Landon Montgomery. He's coming off major knee surgery. How do you get a running back in the portal when you already have two fantastic running backs? So the path to playing time is limited.
2: So I think the first thing you have to sell is that the plan this past season is not the plan um, that they were forced to play just two running backs because of the injury to Kevon Lee. Um, Kevon Lee, as of now, has not put his name into the portal it is the obvious. It's the obvious one that everyone talks about, but is still until he actually puts his name in the portal is a little unfair to him because it, he could solve the problem by being the third back, by being the guy uh, that comes in and, and is the fit for this team. I guess the part I would sell, because uh, I don't know how they're going to go about doing it, but the part I would sell is fit. Right. So. We play three running backs, we play the hot hand, but look at our offense and this is where you could fit in. And I think there's an opportunity for a big back in this roster, <laughs> knowing that both of the dudes uh, in in that they have already already play with power and size. But like, you know, 240, big, mature, physical, burly back, somebody who in the T formation could run or block, you know, adding a, a strength to a strength there that could be a part of the conversation and, uh, you know, goal line back short yardage sort of situation. Um, I, I, you would have to sell either that or kind of what Devin Ford had shaped him his role to be, which was the gadget player, you know, lead blocker, slot receiver, uh, jet sweep guy. All of those elements have been in the offense in one form or fashion, but they didn't have a guy to operate that you know did really well at both of those things so you're not going to go get a guy with two years of eligibility or one year of eligibility that wants to be the bell cow to make his NFL dreams come true so you're going to have to sell this to a guy that has a certain specific fit and is also a good football player that you aren't just recruiting in the portal to have bodies so it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting thing to navigate it's not going to like quarterback it's not going to be easy You know, the quarterback situation of, yeah, come in and be the backup. There's no Case Keenum. There's no um, Taylor Heineke in college football. Everyone's looking to start. All 900 of those players are looking for a position where they can compete for a starting job.
1: All right, let's go to Tommy in Montgomeryville, who says, in general, T. Frank, what draft grade do you think a player should have where it makes sense to declare for the NFL draft?
2: So the adage has been what I've understood is first and second round or go back to school. And that's kind of where it lands. I look at it a little differently as far as um, positional need in the draft. So this, this is a, the great example is guard or center. Juice Scruggs isn't going to be a second round pick. So his his uh, grade would always be to go back, um, but starting centers go in the fifth round and the sixth round. That's where that position the NFL draft finds those players, unless they're overwhelmingly talented and they're not a tackle. And you just, you know, the, the um, guys that, you know, by name that have gone in the first round of the draft. So let's take Parker Washington. Is Parker Washington a second round pick? Maybe but probably not. George Pickens went in the second round last year, and I understand that it's a... I, I'm Cherry Pickens, my examples here, of a guy that is Penn State <laughs> I fan. I you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Steelers are close to home for a lot of people. He's a very talented wide receiver, former five-star that had off- and on-field concerns of injury and just being on the football field. So a lot of his second-round grade came from the concerns about non-football things. But that's my point, is that guys that are five stars go in the second round of the draft. Parker Washington was a four star, and I'm not using the star rating to mean anything other than a certain benchmark of talent. So does Parker get faster if he comes back to Penn State? And this is the conversation we've had before of, I don't know that. Jahan Dotson proved me wrong that he was able to get incrementally faster to the point that he was a first round pick. Um, But Parker's game is different. He's a slot receiver. He's a possession. He's physical. He's got great catch radius, but he's small. Is the NFL going to value those intangible skills and those some tangible skills that aren't speed? Speed is the name of the game. And it's all about your ceiling and your production when you're in the first and second round. And he might be a third round pick, but that's also worth going like that. That might be where his talent level uh, dictates. He goes in the draft as a slot only receiver. So, I would say that it's less about that and not to be annoying about it, but it's a little case by case uh, in terms of Ellis Brooks shouldn't have come back last year. He was physically developed and there was nothing more he was going to gain other than injury potential and less years in the opportunity to go to the draft. And
1: just to add on to the Parker Washington deal, he has to factor in his injury. And does that mean he's not able to prep for the uh, uh, the combine? combine. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. He won't be able to prep for the combine and he won't be in his best shape. So that factors into it too. Let's go to Bill and Easton, who says, with the difference in arm talent between Aller and Clifford, how does that affect the offense?
2: Oh, I, I don't know in terms of arm talent, because when Sean Clifford could set his feet and throw For most of his career, he could get the ball where he needed it to go. It was not difference-making, but it was operational. To me, it's about the mental processing of, can can Aller, can he get to the backside of a progression and maintain pocket presence and operate more than one or two facets of playing quarterback at a time? And that was the part with Clifford. I I, I made the joke a couple weeks ago, but I think it's perfect, that he's like a sub-shop. He's like... Clifford is like your your local deli where it's like you can get a sandwich with two meats on it and uh, one cheese, but maybe you want two cheeses. On, you can't get two cheeses. You, you've got to, it's without mayo or with mayo. You only have a certain number of choices. They don't customize. Um, so is Aller the full thing? Is he going to be the full quarterback from the neck up? And that's not to say that Sean Clifford was bad from the neck up because he did a lot of good things, a lot of things well. But when it came to playing in the moment and and being able to process information and keep his wits about him. If Aller's able to do that, then the arm talent will matter. But if he's just a guy that's throwing a 10 yard out, that's predetermined as hard as he can. That's only one trick. He's got to be able to find the backside dig route against certain coverages when they take away his primary read. That's when quarterbacks become unstoppable. So that's more to me than arm strength. What it's about is, is he a complete quarterback? And that's the part that we don't know. We have no clue because it's not about arm strength. It's about the application of said tools. And yes, he's got every tool you could want. And I think he can get more athletic, but it's, a, it's about how the craftsman is using the tools and not necessarily that you bought a fancy drill and you're drilling into the drywall, missing the stud every single time.
1: I T Frank, um, from that whole answer, I want you to know what I took from that. When mm-hmm. my friends come up to me and ask me to analyze Sean Clifford as a quarterback, I'm going to tell them, simple, he's a one-cheese quarterback. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, let's go to Alan in Erie who says, Hey, T. Frank, I loved how the Lions defense played this year and think they'll be really good again next year, especially if Manny Diaz is coming back. But if you could find an area of improvement, whether it's a position, uh, a strategy, a philosophy, what would it be?
2: I would say I would agree with James Franklin in that if they were everything they are, but bigger up front, that would be ideal. And that would be devastating. That would be historically good sort of defense. If you had those five-star, high four-star defensive tackles that, you know, just in general, the 310-pound guys that are athletic and nimble and unstoppable, <laughs> then this defense would sing. Like, there would be there would be nothing that teams could do to run the football. Um, Mike Linebacker is another area of if you just had two crazy athletes at Linebacker, and I think that's where they're recruiting and building towards of having two Abdul Carters on the field in terms of athleticism. Um, that is another area that they could improve. And then the striker position, you know, that Sam linebacker working out what's best for your opponent that you're playing and what's best for the scheme and the defense. So that is yet to be determined. I don't think so. Penn State fans have already happily moved on to, it's back to being a a linebacker. I don't think I'm not sold that they're going to go back to Curtis Jacobs at the Sam next year. We'll have to see how it plays out. I think they still want that player to be a safety type instead of a linebacker type. So that is an area that needs to be sorted out. And then the last thing I'd say is going back to the transfer portal, you have to maintain a level at corner. Um, You know, Joey Porter Jr. got hurt and they were still still able to maintain that with Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. But now the Porter's gone and you got those two guys. If those two guys get hurt, are the guys behind them ready? We saw Kalen King become an instant star as he, you know, from spring ball, took a step back and then became that guy this year. Get more Kalen Kings and don't let that level slip because that is the secret sauce that helps the defensive line and makes the whole thing go.
1: And if I could summarize, T Frank, keep getting really good players. Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> OK, let's go to David in Lancaster, who says Nick Singleton was named Big Ten Freshman of the Year. But arguments could be made just on Penn State that Catron Allen and Abdul Carter were more deserving. If T. Frank had sole authority to give out that award, who would you give it to?
2: I would go with Abdul Carter uh, because he was more consistent over a longer stretch of games. Now, Nick, Nick Singleton is more dependent on the offensive line of run blocking than Abdul Carter is on his defensive line teammates. Uh, Because he can make plays in space without having to have the blocking set up for him. But he does have to be clean to the football a couple times. And they were designing some stuff for him to get to the football. And he was executing. The final month of the season, he was a manimal. He was just ferocious. And that consistency, to me, is the reason I would give it to him. Is because he played at all Big Ten level for more than a couple games outside of his athletic traits. Everything was coming together for him for that final month.
1: You know, T. Frank, when I ask questions of you guys and I get something less than a straightforward this guy answer, I'm critical. If I would have to answer this question myself, I'd say split the award three ways, among (laughs) Singleton, Allen, and Carter. So I'm the wishy-washiest of the wishy-washy. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around in quarter number four. We're going to name our winner. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package including non-stop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987.
4: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the
0: Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante alongside T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we had our Ask T. Frank segment in quarter number three. We need your winner.
2: I'm going to go with Bill in Easton because he asked about Aller and Clifford. Uh, not because I think that the, I disagreed with the premise of his question, which is usually where I go when it comes to which question I pick. Uh, essentially, is which one do I think has the the most true core? But Bill sparked a good conversation that I hope Penn State fans listen to and uh, give some illumination about the quarterback position that's beyond the obvious thing of arm talent and that's what if i i apologize sometimes i get a little impatient and i get a little frustrated because we we get to the lowest hanging fruit of arm talent at times and i i hope that i'm explaining in a way that makes sense of you know Moving the conversation forward about the quarterback position.
1: It was a good conversation, and I like that the question really wasn't this criticism, you know, where, hey, Drew Aller is this All-American quarterback and Sean right. Clifford sucks. So how is that going to change things? But I also think it's not just about arm strength. Uh, you know, I think Sean Clifford may not have the biggest arm, but he could still throw the ball deep. But can he throw it accurately deep? And right. that that's part of the equation. All right, T. Frank, let's look forward. Penn State is in the Rose Bowl. They are going to be playing Utah. I know you probably haven't gotten a chance to fully scout out U- the Utah Utes. Yep. Um, if you're like me, the first time you saw them this season was last week when they played USC, which, by the way, was a fun game to watch. What are your initial thoughts about Utah in general?
2: So the first thing is, I feel like I'm uniquely, uniquely qualified to talk about this game because I'm married to University of Utah alum. So we've been watching the Utes for the last several years. So I have actually seen a good bit and I understand their program from an identity standpoint and from a core concept uh, standpoint, uh, as well as what they did this year. Um that being said, I haven't seen their defense specifically like to, to drill down into this particular game, but uh, I, I've called them the Minnesota or the Iowa of the Pac-12, um, but they're better than those teams because they're consistent, and I think they've got a better quarterback in Cam Rising, but identity-wise, defense, run the ball, grind you into dust. Um, you know, you, you've heard some of the the people on TV talk about them of the most physically intimidating team in America. I think that's pretty close. You know, uh, a lot of those areas, they do that stuff very well. And Kyle Whittingham, their head coach uh, is, has been there since 2004. He's been a part of the program since 1994. So he is, he's again, he's the Kirk Ferentz of the pac 12. He's been there forever. And they have been a program on the rise where USC has taken a step back and Utah has flooded um, the, the power vacuum, and has taken it to a lot of blue blood programs in that conference and challenged for supremacy to the point they've won the 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 Pac-12 championship the last two years and it hasn't been close in those big games. They destroyed Oregon and uh, USC the last two years. So a really good test and two teams that I think are very similar in terms of the way they're built their strengths and their weaknesses. So it should be a good game, but it might end up being 17 to 20. <laughs> it could be it could be <laughs> the most defensive grinded out game you've seen in a while.
1: And it's it's funny you say that score because they did have a loss earlier this year to Oregon 20 to 17. Yep. And I think for fans who only watched the USC game and thought, "Wow, this Utah team is really good." And I'm not saying they're not, but be careful when you make your judgment on only one game. This is a team that also lost to Oregon 20 to 17. They lost to UCLA. That was 42-32. And they lost a very close game early in the season to Florida. And that was on the road. I think they had a chance to win it late in the
2: game. And And... they're from Utah, a high plains desert, and went to a swamp in September. Like, you know, I don't normally play location as much, but when that's an extreme of going into the sweatiest armpit of America and trying to play in a sauna. And and I just think that part of that uh, played into that game where Utah was clearly the better football team throughout the season, but they they caught a team at the wrong time. Um, so, yeah, they, they they have limitations in the passing game. You know, so they're a very good running team, but they have limitations in the passing game. Their number one receiver is their tight end, Dalton Kincaid, who was one of the best tight ends in America. Almost 900 yards, I think eight or nine touchdowns. And you mentioned the Pac-12 championship game. They match up really well with USC. And here's the part of comparative analysis that we have to understand. USC's defense is T, capital T, rash. They are bad. And and Utah made them look that way. I mean, and and this is unfair. Like the, you know, I'm I'm being a bit hyperbolic here, but they had a linebacker that's six five, two hundred pounds. That is very different from Abdul Carter. Um, so you've got guys that uh, and, and matchups that I think are good for Penn State. Of, I don't think Penn State's defensive line is getting run over. They may lose some battles, but they're not getting run over. And the athleticism on and, and discipline and and gap integrity that Penn State has shown over the last month of the season, I, I don't think that's a mirage. I don't think you can just discredit that now that you've got this team the last time you saw them was running all over USC. Um, also let's let's point out in that game that Cale Williams was hurt and one of his best qualities dynamically is movement and extending plays and creating fissures in the defense. So Sean Clifford scrambling could be a big thing this week. Uh, He's not Caleb Williams. That's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, But in this game, like mobility from the quarterback position, extending plays is something that we've seen that you've been able to take advantage of with this secondary.
1: I thought for a second there, you were going to say Caleb uh, Williams uh, got injured. So he was immobile. So that kind of matches what we have with Sean Clifford.
2: But (laughs) Just just consecutive injuries to Clifford, not necessarily one individual one. (laughs)
1: Let's let's talk about Utah's quarterback, who you don't hear about him in the NFL draft, but to me he looks like a good, hard-nosed, tough college quarterback, a veteran. And my lasting impression is that play where it looked like the defender took his head off because his helmet went flying, and he just pops right back up. I say it seems like he's a really tough kid. But tell me about him. Uh,
2: first off, I- I've-, I've made this joke. He looks like the player Uncle Rico thought he was in. Uh, uh, shoot. What's the name of the movie? Oh, no. Oh, um, anyway, uh, you know who I'm talking about with Uncle Rico. Everyone knows Uncle Rico. So he looks like that guy. And he also plays like that guy. Uh, Cam Rising is a version of Sean Clifford that doesn't have the stain of expectations at the same level so let's you know 25 touchdowns seven interceptions but according to pff in terms of times he's put the ball in harm's day, in, in harm's way big time throws versus turnover worthy plays he's even 12 and 12 so having watched him he's frustrating for me to get an evaluation of because he's got that clifford ability of making unbelievable throws, unbelievable decisions, finding that beautiful, perfect pass within the offense. And then he'll skip a couple at the feet of the receiver or he'll throw the ugliest ball you've ever seen that'll be tipped and drop and fall incomplete. So there is a little bit of a wild card there. Yes, Napoleon Dynamite. He looks like, he looks like Uncle Rico's mental projection of who he was from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, and he kind of plays like that. Uh, So but but game manager is the way I describe both of these quarterbacks of what they are in their career guys that are passengers in the offense that is focused on the run game and focused on play action, and then they have to make some plays in games and both can make those plays, but the offense is not designed for them to be the star and to to carry the team to victory. They have been asked to at times and they've done it and they've also not been able to do it at times.
1: I'll, let me throw a couple numbers at you and just ask you if there's any significance to these things when you talk about a Penn State team playing against them. Utah on offense averages 220 yards a game rushing and surprisingly 250 yards a game passing. Defensively, they limit their opponent to 218 yards passing and only 107 yards rushing with 3.8 yards per carry. Can you? Glean anything from those statistics T. Frank?
2: Uh, I'm bad at remembering numbers overall, but what you're saying, like there are there are run first team. They love they love the zone running scheme offensively. And again, that's where they get their that's where their their bread is buttered. The play action passing off of that is where a lot of their passing concepts come from. They are a classic run the ball, take big shots sort of offense. Kyle Whittingham, I thought for a long time, again, you know, in in the long relationship of being married to my wife, that he was kind of a limiting factor for the team because he he's oh so conservative in his decision making. Kicking field goals inside the 10, sort of conservative. But over the last couple of years, and I think Cam Rising has been a part of this, there's been more confidence in that offense to be more aggressive and to try and win games. They went for uh, a two point conversion to win the game against USC in the regular season, and they won it on the last play of the game. So those those things have opened up the opportunity to win football games and to take advantage of the uh, you know your talent and your ability to run the football and play action and and be competent. So Um, I think that they're evolving a little bit, but they're still true to their identity. I mean, let me, let me look at their, their rushing numbers because the number of runs is, is 473 runs on the season. They have, uh, one, two, three, four players, uh, that have over 50 carries. And then Cam rising has 33. They like to run the football defensively. The talent is not in the front seven. The the talent is in the secondary, but they're very well coached. They are so well coached. They are they are very gap disciplined, gap sound. Um, so it's going to be tough to run the football. Uh, and that would be I think the biggest challenge for Penn State is overcoming that defense and their tenacity up front. Um, but again, I don't necessarily think that they are the most talented team Penn State's faced this year in terms of run stuffing ability. So uh, digging into that and that's part I haven't seen in depth of is there something I'm missing and there are players that are good because there are some linebackers that are they look scrawny on film and there are some defensive linemen that look unathletic when I watch them and then they rally to the football and destroy running games so that's going to be for me over the next couple weeks understanding and digesting what they do up front that makes them so good
1: and T Frank if we use the betting line as an indicator it's going to be a good competitive game. I don't think any of us could disagree with that. I saw one line where it's a pick I saw another one where I think Penn State was a one-point favorite. So it's a pretty good matchup, one that we'll be talking about for the next couple weeks. That is it, though, for our show, T. Frank. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package including non-stop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available too. Go to AthleticTravel.com or call 814-238-4987.